Dog fans, it is time to hunker down. I'm Jeremy the Impact York from Impact Media. This is our weekly drive right through the hedges into Stanford Stadium to talk about the UGA Bulldogs. As I'm always inclined to forget to do, I'll remember time. If you'd like to follow the show, you can email us at 3endzone at gmail.com. That is the number 3-E-N-D-Z-O-N-E at gmail.com. You can search for us on Facebook, whether that is Hunker Down, Impact Media, or Jeremy York. If you want to just be able to click on a link and listen to nothing but the shows, all of our shows are posted on the Twitter account at Team Impact Media. And, of course, if you want to follow along with all the shows that are posted as well, at the Impact 99 on Instagram, Twitter, Triller, and TikTok. But right now I've got a special guest, and I want to bring him on because uh, I am a big fan of his, a lot of things he did, and he is also the former mayor of my hometown, Dallas, Georgia. He is Boyd Austin. How are you, Boyd? I'm great, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be with you. I, I am definitely glad to have you. Uh, as we were talking uh, before the show, even, uh, you know, we're actually related. But I tell people that if you are new to Paulden County, if you live here long enough, you'll end up related to everybody because we're just a, a big community. That's right. Absolutely. Now, uh, like I said, you are the former mayor. Uh, and I actually, uh, I had mentioned before, I did a project in college about leadership with you and in that project the time that you wanted to hopefully have one more term or or so so that you could see some things through you actually got two terms uh after that you were you uh were fortunate to get reelected again were you able to see all the things through that you wanted to not all the way to completion but you know we laid the groundwork for a lot of good things that have happened and it started way back in 2000 when we did our streetscape and basically mm-hmm. changed the face and complexion of Dallas and opened the Dallas Theater and gave them a foundation for moving forward uh, for the plans that they have now. And we see those continuing to grow and expand. And as transportation uh, alternatives come to the city and more people move in, you'll see more of those things enacted. But the groundwork was there both with the streetscape program and with all of the infrastructure work we did, particularly on sewer provision, um, to make it possible for us to grow and to have the revenue stream to make things happen in Dallas. Yeah, I tell people all the time, and I will remind them again right now, that if you have not been to downtown Dallas, in uh, in some time you need to go see it it is uh, absolutely spectacular and thing is is if you just so happen to be far enough away that you can't visit it in person you can tune into the cw network and see star girl which features the city of dallas practically the entire uh series that's right most of the series is filmed in dallas yeah, and that is it's a fantastic series. It, I, maybe I'm a little biased because it's it's in the hometown like that, but uh, definitely appreciate all the work uh, you've done and you continue to do. As uh, you've actually moved on, you have a new position coming up where you are the executive director of Northwest Georgia Regional Commission. Uh, what all does that entail, and what is all that about? Well, the regional commissions are state 
based authorities. We represent different areas. There are 12 in the state. And next to the Atlanta Regional Commission, the Northwest Georgia has the largest population, one of the largest land areas. And the regional commissions are charged with assisting local governments in their state-mandated planning efforts, things like comprehensive plans, zoning, administration, all those things. We also house the historic and natural preservation sections. We have the workforce investment um, section that works through the technical college system of Georgia and formerly with the Department of Labor to help uh, fund workforce innovations and get people into the jobs that are available. And also the area agency on aging that assists our senior adults. So it's a rather large enterprise. We represent 15 counties and 49 cities and serve wow. almost a million people in population. Wow. That, that is, um, that is a, a lot to be in charge of, but, uh, I know if, if the committee is, is made up of a lot of people like yourself, then uh, I feel really good about where that could go. We're excited about what's going to happen. But uh, obviously, we are here to talk some Georgia Bulldogs, and we even get the special treat that you were at last week's game where uh, they took on those, uh, well, I'll be respectful, the little kitty cats from uh, Tigers. That it is the It is the oldest rivalry, the oldest, they they tend to say in the South, it's one of the oldest rivalries there is. But, you know, what does this uh, Auburn-Georgia rivalry mean to you over the years? And, and uh, what was it like being there on Saturday? Well, you know, the last few years, Georgia has dominated the series, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, throughout the series, it's tended to be one that was neck and neck. And there are a lot of those years that the home team actually lost the games. And so I was fortunate to be at Georgia from 1980 to 84. We lost four ball games and tied one during that period, went to three Sugar Bowls. Uh, Awesome time to be at Georgia. That was the Munson sugar falling from the sky calls. Uh, Just great memories. I was on the field, and I guess uh, 87 or Sometime in there when they turned the water hoses on us when we beat them in an upset. <laughs> and I was there for the five overtime game sitting in the end zone where Hugga tried to bite the Auburn player, and then we went to five overtimes and finally won the game. So there have been a lot of good memories, a lot of fun times, a lot of heartbreaks in that series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's uh, that's that famous uh famous portrait that hangs in a lot of uh, a lot of important offices that I've seen where uh, Ugga is trying to uh, take out the Auburn player by itself that that's a that's another iconic moment for for uh, such a uh, historic university there's there's so much history and heritage to it I, that's one of the things I think that draws people to UGA whether they love them or whether they hate them maybe they're on the outside they don't like them it's usually because there's such a pedigree to being a Georgia Bulldog that is true. Great history, great tradition. Well, luckily, it worked out in in uh, the Bulldogs' favor 
against Auburn this past weekend. Um, you were you were at the game. Have a great post on social media about it and everything. Uh, what was the atmosphere like there? It was great. Yeah, the crowd was involved. Uh, uh, it was a full house. You know, it was a three thirty game, and it. You know, sometimes you can kind of get caught in the lull or the long time of the day to get there, but uh, it was as good an atmosphere as I've seen for an afternoon game in Athens. Uh, The crowd was very excited. Lots of new folks in and around, people outside without tickets that were watching on TV. So they realized the importance of the game, and even though the odds were in Georgia's favor, there's a lot of us who've lived through the years that have been greatly disappointed at the end of the game. So it was it was electric, and uh, it was good to see everybody and, and to see everything happening like it was last weekend. Yeah, and uh, did did they have you worried a little bit? Because it was only 14 to nothing at halftime, and there was the missed field goal. There was, uh, you know, McConkie was a little slow trying to get everything going again. Uh, did they have you a little worried? Yeah, and, you know, I, I knew an old Georgia letterman, Frank Lumpkin, I think, played in the mm-hmm. 40s at Georgia. And one time back in the late 80s, early 90s, we were, we'd were we stayed at the hotel at the Georgia Center and got up and went down to breakfast, and the older man with us had a long face. And uh, Frank said, what's wrong with you, Jim? He said, didn't you watch the game yesterday? We got the devil beat out of us. He goes, <laughs> Yeah, but I learned a long time ago not to let a bunch of 18 to 22-year-old boys determine my happiness. <laughs> so um, I have uh, I was young at that at one time and understand that and I think they just started slow. Uh a lot of the teams know kind of the way we react and they they prepare hard and heavy for it, but they just don't have the depth, I don't believe, to hang with us for the entire game, and that showed itself in the second half. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think that is it's definitely what it is, is. These teams know what UGA wants to try to do, so they spend the, their entire week trying to trying to stop it in the first half, and then Kirby just makes an adjustment, and they, they seem to cruise in the in the second half. But uh, it's it's been a fun year, you know. I tell people all the time that right now, what your rank doesn't matter all that much because until that committee sits down and makes the list out of what the official list is, as long as you're up towards the top, you're doing fine. You know, like you said, there's no reason to let the performance of some 18 to 22 year olds or what they're ranked according to a computer uh, affect your happiness. Right. And it's hard, you know, for them not to take that seriously and to believe some of that stuff. And, you know, people tell them they're supposed to win by this much or they will win by this much. And then, you know, life happens. Uh, Somebody gets hurt or somebody Mm -hmm. drops a ball that bounces the wrong way. You get a call that goes against you. And the next thing you know, you're in trouble or you've lost. And, you know, we saw that in Missouri, that they planned well, they played well. Uh, They just failed to finish the game. And that showed a lot of maturity to me on Georgia's part, that they stuck with it, they went in at halftime, changed their schemes, came back out, and 
finished the drill and won the game. And the, the same thing this weekend is we went in at halftime up by 14 and came back and played our game. We had two freshmen, did great jobs. Uh, we had a lot of yards running. Uh, and to see Stetson Bennett run a 64-yard touchdown <laughs> like he did was incredible. Oh yeah, that that run there was it was like he was shot out of a cannon. Like he he made it past like the initial line, and then by the time he turned around, th- those guys were nowhere near him. But I, I you know I feel I like I was worried. I was worried he was going to need to see a chiropractor and get an adjustment <laughs> the way he was swiveling his head around to see who was behind him. But I was just like, just keep running and quit trying to look back, get across the goal line. Exactly. Exactly. That's. You know, at that point, it's up to a teammate to let you know if somebody's close to you or something. And uh, that's right. You know, I feel like I feel like there's a couple things about this UGA team. Uh, like you said, it is the depth, especially on the defense. Last year, we all know everybody was household names, and a majority of those guys are now playing on Sundays instead of Saturdays. That happened. Everybody was worried about the depth, and I just reminded everybody that most of these guys got to play last year too. And this defense is it might be as good as last year, if not better. That's true. And it'll show up in the big games for sure. And, you know, like you said, we lost a lot of folks, lost a lot of starters, and kind of had to rebuild that. But it shows that, that we had good stock and that people were prepared and had some game time and were able to go back in there and, they may not fill the shoes, but they have filled the roles, and they seem to have pretty good discipline most of the time. And you know that's just something that comes with playing time, and they're getting it. Yep, that they are. And then as as far as uh, you know, I'm not worried about special teams at all. Pod Lesney seems like he could kick it to the moon and back. Um, offensively, I feel like they get to they get rolling a little bit sooner in a game if they can get McIntosh or if they can get one of those runners, uh, Milton or one of those guys running good or Stetson or one of those, it felt, it feels like a lot of pressure is on Stetson Bennett and a lot of pressure is on Lad McConkey. And sometimes it feels like they're trying a little too hard to make a play. And Kirby just has to look at him and just say, just calm down and be who you are. And that's when things start to roll. That's right. And, you know, uh, we, we didn't do as much with Bowers uh, on Saturday, and right. uh, you kind of get behind on downs and try to force things. And I'm like you, I agree. If we we find that running back that's going to hit the hole and gain positive yards and get us ahead of the chains, then that's the key to success. Then we can open it up and do the other things that we want to do. Exactly. But overall, current. 40 feet yeah. in the air and let Darnell catch it. <laughs> yeah, there there is always that, too. Like I said, it's, a lot of times people talk about the three phases of the game, the offense, the defense, the special teams. There is no question mark on the special teams of, of this Georgia team, in my opinion. They are, it looks like top to bottom, just as good as they can get. That's right. And, you know, you got your starting quarterback holding for the place kicker. And that's mm-hmm. very unusual, but that just shows how they're team is built and how they feel about one another and how they trust one another and Stephen's willing to get out there and do his part even on what seems like a nothing task but 
you let the the hold get messed up and you're gonna miss the kick. Right. He knows how important it is and I keep reminding people, I said the fact that the starting quarterback is the holder, you better watch for some kind of crazy play somewhere down the line. Kirby may wait till a championship game to do it, but there's always that possibility when the starter's still in there. That's right. Keeps people on their toes. Yep. Uh obviously they get the win. 42 to 10. They continue to 6 and 0. Like I said, there's they're, they're a top program. We don't we don't need to worry about what number some computer gives to them there. Um, and you know they they'll move on, and we'll talk about it here in a second. But they move on. They get Vanderbilt, which is a, a very storied program as well. Not necessarily always known for their sports, but Vandy knows how to bring it when they need to. And uh, Vandy's one of those. It can break your heart and create all kinds of habit if you lose to them. And, and we have lost to them in the past. Uh, times maybe we shouldn't have, but uh, we've lost to them up there. And uh, it, it can be a, a hard week after you lose to Bandy. Absolutely. But we will talk more Georgia versus Bandy after we get back from this break as we tell you about our friends at BetOnline.net. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on Hunker Down. Make sure to go visit our friends at betonline.net. They not only do the betting lines, they do the podcast, they do the articles. Even if you don't bet or you're in a place where it is not legal to do so, go see all this information. They do so much of the research for you, and you'll just seem smart when you talk to your friends. They do so much extra work. Go see betonline.net. But as we come back to Hunker Down, where we have our guest, Boyd Austin, in here. Uh, it is uh, fantastic to have him on. And now let's get into a little bit of talk about you became a Georgia Bulldog fan. Well, I did not grow up in a football household. But uh, when I was young, Paulding County was still a small place to live. And, in fact, your mother and I were high school classmates. We graduated together. And there were about 18,000 people in the county. And I made up my mind to go to the University of Georgia. Never been on the campus. Uh, got over there the first week of September. About the biggest place I'd ever seen, but it didn't take long for me to fall in love with the place. And it has been home to me ever since. Um, those were storybook years. We lost four games in the four years I was at Georgia. I had one, and I was with Coach Dooley one time, and I said, 
whoever we were talking to, I said, well, we only lost five games while I was in school. And he goes, who were they? I <laughs> said, well, we lost to Clemson in 81, and we lost to Auburn. And we lost to Penn State in the Sugar Bowl, and we lost to Pittsburgh in the Sugar Bowl. And I sat there, and I couldn't think. And he goes, you're right. There was only four. And I said, and we tied Clemson <laughs> one of those years. And uh, so it was a great time. There were three Sugar Bowls in a row and then finished up with the 10-9 victory over Texas. And I've been a season ticket holder ever since I graduated in 84 and have sat in the seats where I am now. Um, probably going on 26 or more years out of the four, out of the uh, 38 I've been out of school. And I've watched the people around me, the uh, kids of, uh, well, actually the people that used to sit in front of me, I watched them start dating and get engaged and marry. And uh, there are people that sat next to me. I've watched their children grow up. Now I'm seeing their grandchildren come around. And uh, it's just a big family affair. And then uh, to have the uh, connections with my fraternity and my fraternity brothers from all over the state, all over the southeast, that we still gather and tailgate at Capsig House within the shadow of the stadium. And it's been a great time. It's one of my most favorite things on earth to do. And I love the Bulldogs. I love the University of Georgia. And so much of who I am today is a result of those years I spent there and the education I received. And uh, it's just great to be a Georgia Bulldog. Wow, that is that is amazing that uh, not even really growing up in a, in a sports household so much or a football household, you just, it, out of high school, you're like, you know what, I want to go to that place up the road there, and it just all started to fall into place and, and help make you who you are. Absolutely. And that's great that you, uh, I, I tell that to people too, is, is when you get to see somebody else's story take place right beside you too, is like you were talking about all the families, you know, it started as maybe one or two people beside you and then you see them get married and have kids and the next generation comes in and the next generation. And uh, it's always good to, to kind of see life happen in front of you. Well, I had, uh, I have great friends that live in Vienna, Georgia. And there was this man and woman that sat about two rows in front of me. I sit on the aisle, and they sat probably about nine or ten seats in. And I would see them every week, and we'd speak. And then several years ago, she had a stroke, and her hand was drawn, and she began to have mobility issues. But I'd come into the game every week, and they'd be sitting in their seats. And the last few years, um, they didn't get up hardly at all during the game. And so if the vendors came by, I'd send water down to them and I'd help her. She came up the steps beside me to get up to the top. And so my friends in Vienna were sitting in Sunday school showing pictures of a trip we had been on. And this man in the class says, who is that? And they said, that's our friend Boyd Austin. And he said, is he a Georgia fan? Does he go to games? And they said all the time. He said, he sits behind me. And <laughs> that was the first time I had ever known their names. And 
became uh, formally introduced to him at that time, but it had just been in passing. And then since that time, he's passed away. But it was a lot of good memories of, uh, of folks like that and, and things through the years, just all the stories that connect us as a Bulldog Nation. Well, it's it's so great that there, there that connection was made that, that, you know, two people that or a group of people that may think they're on opposite sides of the world, you end up with that connection. A lot of people say music. I, I say sports all the time. Is is that connection that shows people that they're never alone in this world. That's right. Wow, that is And I have, is I have a friend, though, that uh, she, she went to the Alabama trade school, and, uh, you know, they will yell War Eagle and, uh, she did that in New York one time. A guy was sitting on the subway, and she jumped up and said, War Eagle, and they looked at her like he was going to kill her. And <laughs> it turns out somebody just giving him a shirt off the street. So he didn't know what his shirt meant, and she just <laughs> assumed that he was a Auburn fan. So I've always thought that was a great, funny story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you never know about that. But, uh... Let's let's get a little bit into this game versus Vanderbilt. Uh, the easy specifics to throw away. You got six and one or six and zero Georgia versus three and three Vanderbilt. But it's a lot of times those those uh, records don't mean that much when they play the game. Uh, this game is it is at Georgia, correct? It is at in Athens. It's homecoming, and yeah, you know that's... a lot of time and Vandy. And back when I was in school and the conference was smaller, Ole Miss was a lot of our uh, homecoming opponents for uh, many years and through the years. But, you know, a lot of the the college kids get distracted by the homecoming week activities and, of course, have all the alumni come back, the old cheerleaders and the alumni band members perform at halftime with the band and, it's just a big, fun day. A lot of people bring their children that day. And sometimes what many people people think of as a lesser opponent, the football game kind of gets lost in all the hubbub. And mm-hmm. it's real important that, it, that the team keep its focus and that the fan base keep its focus and be loud and be supportive, the Bulldogs in the game, and cheer them on and keep cheering them on till they finish what they need to do. and uh, But it definitely is one of those games that could catch you off guard, just a turn of events and mistakes that are made, turning the ball over, anything like that could result in a, in a big debacle. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, usually what I like to do, on uh, especially on the college shows we do here at Impact Media, I like to come up with the, the three keys to victory. What what the team needs to do in order to uh, to make sure that they they get that that win at the end of the week and uh, uh, I, I'll let you come up with the first one. What what's one thing that this Georgia team needs to do to make sure that they're going to beat Vanderbilt on Saturday? Uh, always in football, you have to control the line of scrimmage, whether you're on offense or defense. You mm-hmm. got to be able. We have to be able to run the ball and to block for the quarterback to throw it. And when we're on defense, we've got to be able to get in there and disrupt their their timing, their plays, and get to their quarterback and show them that we're in control of the field. 
I, I agree with that. A lot of people, like you said, people get distracted during homecoming about forgetting about the game sometimes. It's sometimes in the, in the game of football, they forget that the battle in the trenches is what sets the whole game up. One uh, player can, can change yeah. the whole dynamic. Yep, it absolutely can. Um, I will say key number two is that Stetson Bennett needs to remember that he is he is cool, calm, collected Stetson, not try to do too much, just play his normal game. Um, if he feels so inclined to, to run it in from 64 yards out again, I'm not going to tell him not to. But I'm going to say that he just needs to, to just stay relaxed and, and just play his game early, and they may be able to uh, go up. I agree totally with that. He's got to do what he does best, be the field general, be in charge. Exactly, and, and quit trying to, to do too much. Just do what you know. It's already working. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes you just got to throw the ball away. Some, somebody misses a block or they run a stunt or, you know, they they mask a, a rush or something and just throw the ball away and live for another down. Don't make a crazy mistake or take a huge loss. Exactly. Because we know the, the Vanderbilt, we know the Commodores are are going to pressure when they can, because that that's one of their keys. If they can put enough pressure on, maybe they can they can disrupt the things Georgia wants to do. Well, we got you come up with uh, control the line of scrimmage, which I am always a hundred percent behind. I said Stetson needs to stay relaxed. What do you think the third key to victory would be for Georgia to get the win this week? I think we have to establish our running game. Uh, we have to have even better week than we had last week. And we need to have multiple backs that are getting close to 100 yards and give them the confidence to move forward in the season and uh, get ready for an off week the next week and then go to Jacksonville to play Florida. But we need to we need to really run the ball and help those guys gain some confidence. Yeah, whether whether that is uh, McIntosh or Milton or actually Branson Robinson had some pretty good time in the second half of this past game versus Auburn. So any of those guys, I think they got eight or ten running backs. But yeah, I feel pretty right. confident that if if they if they get one of those guys going, you just keep handing it to them. Absolutely. And Robinson did a great job in the second half. I think he wound up with ninety six yards and uh, was freshman player of the week in the SEC. So. You know, another good game for him is a great confidence builder and allows you to see his style and, and to give him that time on the field and uh, build his confidence for future games for Florida and Tennessee and everybody else that's coming up. Yeah, absolutely. He had 12 carries for 98 yards and a touchdown. So that's, that's yeah. not bad when you're the third-string running back. Not at all. I've seen, I've been there in years when third string running backs never saw the field or never got the ball except at the end of the game to run a victory formation. So mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a great opportunity for him and well deserved. Absolutely. Well, 
Boyd, it has been fantastic having you on the show. It is good to to reconnect again. It had been uh, a handful of years uh, since we crossed paths, but uh, we definitely appreciate you being on Hunker Down, and you are welcome back anytime. Well, I appreciate it, and go dogs. We will see you guys next week on Hunker Down. Go dogs.